Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You give me one shot here on a blue chip stock. Believe me, Kevin. The only problem you're going to have is that you didn't buy more. Nobody knows if the stock is going to go up, down, sideways, or in circles. What is good? NBA Draft fans, your boys are back after a week hiatus. It is the Wolves of Ball Street, the Draft Act NBA Draft Podcast. My name is Corey Tulliba, and I am here, as always, with my co-host, Garbage Time, Albert Gim. Albert, what's good, my dude? What's going on, dude? It's been uh, it's been a while. I feel like we haven't recorded in a minute. You know, it feels it feels way longer than it actually has been. Mm-hmm. But you know, Thanksgiving week, and then uh, besides the holiday, we had a very eventful uh, scouting week. You know, both of us opposite ends of the coasts, uh, teaming up with other no ceilings team members. So, um. Mm-hmm. Why don't we start with uh, your your trip out to Vegas with our guy uh, backcourt violation, Mister uh, Tyler Rucker? Tell me, tell me a little bit, uh, a little bit about pull the the curtain uh, mm-hmm. aside a little bit for the people. What was it like, credentialed NBA draft analyst Albert Gim out in Dude, Vegas? It was uh, quite the experience. It was really humbling. Uh, it, I don't know, man. It just felt like a great honor to be there. You know, uh, to be, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, like, it's weird to think about it in those types of terms, like being a credentialed media member, but it was really dope. I mean, some of the perks were awesome. We were literally on the floor for over an hour before the game started. We were watching the players warm up. I, I literally stood less than two feet away from Chet Holmgren. He was putting up shots. Maybe, I don't know, dude, he was so close to me. I could almost smell him, which is weird. Uh, but um, smell? it was uh, fantastic. <laughs> he smelled like a, he first, he smelled like a number one pick is what he smelled like. Oh. Um, he was awesome. It was really awesome watching UCLA warm up. Awesome. And you know, that, that's something that I think I really got to grasp in person, but also Rucker helped me to understand uh, watching these players warm up uh, is actually really, really important. Uh, to watch their demeanor, their posture, their attitude during warmups was really interesting. Me being someone who, you know, never played uh, any significant level of basketball or was a coach or anything, um, watching them warm up and to see the engagement of some of these top players was an experience. So it was awesome, man. It was really, really great. Uh, A little intel on Rucker. Uh, Rucker is... Corey's already laughing because Rucker is a is an awesome dude. It was it was really great to finally meet in person. Um, we realized that Rucker's literally met none of us at No Ceilings ever in person. So I was the first one. I had the great honor of meeting uh, Mr. Rucker live and in person. We shared a room, which was an oh, experience. Yeah. Um, you know what happened in that room? Right. Only, How many beds? 
How many two beds? beds. Wow. Two beds. Thankfully, I know. <laughs> Rucker's a high roller, man. He got us a room at the MGM. <laughs> two oh, queen beds. You know, we talked to each other before falling asleep. You know, it was an intimate, intimate time. But uh, nice. yeah, it was a great experience. Dude. So tell what about the the actual hoops itself? Oh God, the hoops itself. Okay, so um, first off, I want to say I'll try to give my really quick Chet thing here. Chet is nowhere near as skinny in person as he looks on TV, which is crazy if you think about it. Um, yeah. I was actually really impressed, like when I was up close with him. Um, he's got sort of a back, like he's got some back muscles or some mass to his back, which was nice to see. His legs are not as skinny either um, in person as I thought they would be. Um, just overall, he, he didn't look frail, which was really exciting because that was like one of my big things with him. Um, and it made like just watching him in person, I was like, oh, he is going to get bigger. He's going to add mass. He's going to get stronger. There's a lot to like here. And then with the play, the biggest thing that popped off the screen, well, not the screen, haha, I was in person. Um, the IQ is insane. Mm -hmm. The guy is, he processes, processes the, the game on a much higher level than the guys that he's playing against. It was insane. Like we were just standing there watching, sitting there watching, and we're like, wow, he's reading the floor so much faster and reacting so much faster than everybody else. Mm -hmm. So, that was awesome to see Peyton Watson. I know, I know you like Peyton Watson a lot. Yes. I enjoyed him a lot. Um, yes, he is extremely raw, but there is so much to like about him. Like if you look at the physical tools alone, it's awesome. The way that he moves. Awesome. Uh, the shooting will come, I think. And something that Rucker was showing me with him was the inconsistency in the footwork. But as he yeah. works on that and develops that, he's going to be a really good player in my opinion. So if you're, if you're high on Peyton Watson, do not sell your stock. The kid just needs time and, you know, minutes on the floor. He's going to be really freaking good. Your boy, Jaquez. Yes, sir. Wow. Wow. I loved, <laughs> loved watching him play, not just in the game, but in warmups too. He's really something to watch. Um, Strother Gonzaga. Awesome. That guy. Yeah. Really, really fun. Um, there are a lot of guys in Gonzaga actually that were fun, but Strother is a guy that I'm going to be writing about actually because oh, I was so impressed go. by his game. Yeah, love it. I was so impressed by him. I was like, oh, I, I'm going to have to write about him. So that's something I'm working trash. on. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I'll stop there because I'll just go too long. But yeah, Strother was really impressive. Uh, love to hear it. Very interesting. I mean, bunch of bunch of guys you listed are big time favorites of mine. If anything with Watson, not only do you, am I holding, I'm buying more because his price is lowered. So I'm I'm yeah. buying even more of the Watson stock. But you know that's for a different episode. Um, while you were in Vegas, well, I guess not simultaneously, but around the same time, I uh, headed to Brooklyn, New York, to uh, meet up with Nathan from Draft Deeper and also oh, yeah. Team No Ceilings, and we. Got to watch a few games together. We watched uh, Xavier versus Iowa State. Um, and then we watched Memphis uh, take on Virginia Tech. And obviously we went to see Imani Bates and Jalen Duren. Uh, obviously Duren is the the guy who you know we, we needed to monitor for this particular class. But 
the guy I left most impressed with, and again, you know, we've been giving this guy a lot of shout outs and he deserves them. Simon Rath, uh, Tyrese Hunter from Iowa state really put on a show and, uh, mm. he was so impressive in person. I, you know, I made a, he's small, you know, he's tiny obviously, but mm. he's got like an NBA body. He moves like an NBA guy. He, he reminds me a little bit, like he has a little bit of, of that Donovan Mitchell type of guard in him. Now he's, I obviously Donovan Mitchell is a little bit bigger, so that matters, uh, bouncier, all that. So I'm I'm not saying that, you know, Tyrese Hunter is going to be a guy that comes in and has some kind of impact. He might not even come out. He might not even come out this year, but the dude has been awesome. He was super, super impressive. And that's kind of, that was kind of the cool thing about going to watch that little tournament because we went in looking to, to break down the blue chips and we left super impressed by this guard from uh, Iowa State. Uh, Paul Scruggs, mm-hmm. Xavier, kind of a, a draft Twitter shadow guy. Was terrible. Just truly <laughs> un- was truly unimpressive in every way imaginable other than, you know, his body uh, mm-hmm. and his, his length. Uh, just did not look like an NBA prospect. And, you know, he's a fifth-year college player, so that's not like I'm going out on a major limb there. Right. Um, we didn't uh, – gosh, the Memphis game was a tough watch. It was terrible. It was truly terrible. Uh, the best part of it was, like you said, you know, being down by the court, watching warm-ups, seeing what Jalen Duran looked like in person. Right. Just behemoth. He's just – he's a monstrous man. Uh, he just looked gigantic. Amani didn't look as skinny, kind of like Chet. He looked uh, a little bit more filled out in person than I think he, he probably does on the screen, although his ankles are – you know, you could put, you could probably put your your hand around them. But mm-hmm. other than that, uh, neither Bates nor Duran were impressive. You know, at at the tournament in Brooklyn, there was some foul trouble. Then Memphis just doesn't have a point guard, and I think you know mm-hmm. Duran. That's going to be one of the things that we have to take into consideration with our evals. Like he's the type of guy who's going to look better in the NBA because he's going to have NBA caliber guards who are actually able to get him the basketball, and uh, I think that's going to be inconsistent. And he's not just going to be able to, you know, impose his will at times because college is a different game. There's you can pack the paint more, play zones and, you know, take him out of what he does. So it's something to be cognizant of. But uh, outside of the fact that uh, Nena's Taqueria was closed because there were mm-hmm. not many people um, at the Barclay Center. And mm-hmm. I'm really looking forward to the potential of having some Berea tacos. Uh <laughs> Besides the fact, it was a really, really fun watch. It was awesome uh, getting to hang out with Nathan and, you know, talk shop in person with this team that we built. And, um, yeah, it was fun. It was super fun. So uh, I think that's, you know, probably enough time on our our week that we went through because now we can get to the the main attraction, the star of the show, uh, Mr. Mr. Caleb Houston, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, who's – there's a reason I wanted to start here. There's okay. A reason I wanted to start with Caleb Houston. Um, so let's 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 talk a little bit about him. Uh, Caleb, Michigan guard slash forward, uh, depending on you know whatever your preference is for the day. Six foot eight, two hundred and five pounds. Uh, look for his wingspan. Couldn't find anything. Doesn't look like he's got a crazy long wingspan though. Right. He's averaging eight point eight points per game, four point two rebounds per game, one point eight assists to two turnovers per game. 0.3 blocks, 0.5 steals, shooting splits of 34.7%, uh, 
from the field, 25.8% from three, 84.6% from the free throw line on limited uh, attempts. And that's a true shooting percentage of 48% for Caleb Houston. Let's get into his stock price. Preseason, ESPN had him at five. SB Nation had him at seven. Tankathon had him at eight. Basketball News had him at five. Bleacher Report had him at eight. He had an average price of 6.8. He was a guy that had a lot of hype as a top 10 <laughs> player coming into the year. Currently, ESPN has dropped him down to 14. Mm. Tankathon has him at 20. Wow. Basketball News has him at 16. Bleacher Report has him at 12. Mm-hmm. SB Nation hasn't updated their rankings, but okay. uh, The Athletic... Crazy. <laughs> Step it up. <laughs> and uh, The Athletic also has him at 12. So just to get that fifth number in there, that's an average stock price of 14.8. He slid eight spots early wow. into the season mm-hmm. outside of uh, the lottery on average. Um, so because of that drop, because he's a guy who came into the year as a potential top 10 guy, and because um, we're still early in the year, I thought that it would be fun to cover him now because I'm sure we're going to talk about him more as the season goes on. If he turns it around, it's going to be fun to watch his stock, but right now it's trending downward. Albert, I ask you at 14.8 currently is Caleb Houston stock price too high, too low, or is it just right? Um, yeah, I, I don't like, excuse me. I don't like these early season overreactions for me 14.8 or 14 whatever is way too low for me I, I i think we have to keep things in perspective the kid is what 18 19 i have no idea how old he is actually but he's so young he's, he's still so raw um it's early in the season i think the biggest thing that stuck out to me we're gonna get into his eval right mm-hmm. but Corey, the biggest thing that stuck out to me is i don't believe that this is really a caleb houston issue from what I watched so far, Corey, not to, not that I want to put blame on Jawan Howard or whatever. It, it really is a matter of the fact that it's so early in the season. I think they're still figuring him out. I, I feel like Jawan Howard and the staff there at Michigan, they're still figuring out what is the best way to utilize Caleb Houston, right? So I, I think, yeah, the shooting numbers are pretty horrific if you look at just the numbers. I get that. Um, even I test, yeah, it hasn't been pretty all the time. But for me, it's way too early to abandon ship and be like, yeah, he should be 14th at the end of the lottery. I I hate that because there's so much still to like about the guy. And uh, obviously we're going to get into that. But yeah, that that is way too low for me. Yeah, I I think it's low as well. Um, Now, I think that him dropping because it, you know, it's not like he had the AJ Griffin drop. AJ Griffin has just uh, free fall yeah. down boards, which I, I completely don't understand mm-hmm. at all. I don't understand it at all, but that's, you know, a, a topic for another podcast day. I, un- I, I think much of what his fall is, is that not that he has just underperformed, which sure he started out slow and he's not the first lottery type prospect to do that. Uh, Tyler, Rucker wrote a great article today about a bunch of, you know, high-level prospects who started out really slow in their first eight or nine games, turned it on, and showed why they were ranked that high to begin with. Caleb Houston is perfectly capable of, of following that trajectory. 
but I think that there are a lot of other prospects that have kind of played well. And so they've jumped up the board and that has a little bit to do with him falling slightly because there are other prospects that have showed out a little bit. So I, I think it's too low. I think he dropped too much. If it, you know, if he rounded out say 10 or 11 and maybe it's semantics, it's still only a few picks. Maybe that feels like the area I'd be more comfortable in, but uh, I don't foresee him falling anymore. And if anything, Mm. I think he's he's going to rise back up. I think he's going to be on that trajectory. But uh, who knows, right? That's that's why we have a podcast. That's why we follow it. And that's why we're going to break his game down. So mm-hmm. uh, let's get into his scouting report. And look, when you think Caleb Houston, what do you think of? Um, <laughs> passing? No. <yeah. laughs> you think of the shooting. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that we, we like to start with the shooting. Let's start with the shooting. Yeah. We went through the percentages, 34.7% from the field, 25.8% uh, from three. So uh, when you look at a three-point shooter, a guy who was billed as a potential elite three-point shooter, and he comes out and uh, shooting 25% from three, not ideal. Is the percentage indicative of the type of shooter that he is? Uh, one trillion percent, no. No, dude. I, 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 Right now, I'm telling you, there is so many moving parts. Um that are like that go behind those numbers right now it's a lot but for me definitely not those numbers are going to go up by a lot over time in my opinion i could be wrong i've been wrong many times before but i love his jump shot are you kidding me i love his jump shot um i love the balance on it that's something that i really like like my favorite shooters i like when they're like really well balanced shooters like Mm -hmm. the guys who like you know they they I, it's hard to explain, but like the footwork always looks pretty with him. Yeah, right. um, now, of course, yeah, exactly, you know, exactly. Clay. It all looks good. Yeah, uh-huh, I get uh-huh. it. It's beautiful. Kispert last year. But anyway, yeah, I, I'm super into the jump shot. The numbers don't tell the full story. There's a lot going on behind those numbers. I think he's just going to get better and better. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm also a believer in the jump shot. I, I think when you're this early into the season – and you're looking at a guy who has been billed as a shooter and he shoots it so effortlessly and it looks so pretty. You got to trust your eyes sometimes. You can't just fall into this percentage thing because this is where we run into problems with stats. The, sa- the sample size is too low. Right. If, we're gonna, if you want to have this conversation because he's shooting 25% from three in June or you know in March or whatever and we're having this conversation in June – Okay, that that's a conversation worth having, right? Why did he shoot twenty five percent the entire season? That's a conversation worth having. Um, but it's December first right now as we record this. I'm not willing to throw away all of the you know film that we have before his college season with a guy whose shot looks as pretty as Caleb Houston's. Now. Are there reasons maybe besides him just hitting a cold streak that he's missing some of these shots? Probably, right? Maybe he's having, he seems like he's having uh, a somewhat difficult time adjusting to the speed of the game, the length, the closeouts. But this is not a guy who hasn't played with or against high level talent. He played really, really well in the FIBA tournament for Team Canada as one of the leaders of that team. Um, you know, he struggled percentage wise. Right. FIBA tournament as well um, from three. Right. 
even though he averaged 17 points per game there. But uh, most of the players, even the good shooters, they do struggle and, you know, with that FIBA ball and uh, different style of play. So uh, again, he's not a 25% shooter. I, I think that he's going to finish out the year somewhere around the 37% mark. And if he can go and finish the year at the 37% mark, I think you're looking at a player whose trajectory is going to, you know, increase in the NBA. And I was looking mm-hmm. today because I think one of the, you know, one of the guys that I think people are going to talk about him kind of representing, and maybe we will too, is, is, is clay because of, like you said, the footwork and whatnot, you know, clay had a year, his, his uh, sophomore year, he shot 36% from three. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Clay Thompson's what? Undisputably one of the top five shooters ever. Right. Right. You know, and you could put him in whatever order you want to um, as high as two, I think many people would say. So I think the numbers will, are, are going to rise. I am, you know, there's other parts of his game. I'm more worried about the shooting is, is not one of them, but um, do you think that he's a guy that is going to create off the bounce Yeah. at the next level? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's the very natural next question that I, I knew you were going to ask. So I actually had that in my notes. I was, I was ready, Corey. I, I'm starting, you know, we're starting to read each other now, man. Yeah, it's I a dance. We, we're, doing, it is, we're doing the it dance, is. you know? Yeah. That's my area of concern. It is. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, th- I think the handle is functional. Yeah. Uh, what I wrote is has a good handle, but not a great one. And mm-hmm. I, I think the biggest thing that I was thinking about was, and you could see it now, even against like Seton Hall, um, when he was getting guarded by, you know, a couple of their wings. I know Richard Richardson, Richardson, right? That's his name. Kadari Richardson, Kadari, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Richards. Kadari, Richardson. Yeah, yeah. Richardson. Richmond. Richard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, let me tell you something about. I'm watching that kid on the court. Yeah. He looks like guard OG mm-hmm. Ananobi. Dude, he is thick. Like he's. Mm. He's kind of a beast. That kid, mm-hmm. like, he's he's the Q's transfer, right? Yes. Yeah. Kadari yeah, Richmond. Okay, okay. Yeah, Richmond. Richmond. I said yeah. Richardson. Jesus. It's yeah, a Wednesday, guys. Over here from us. <laughs> I will say though, Corey, the amount of college basketball that we're consuming right now, it's like it's kind of like a culture shock for me right now compared yeah. to like, you know, any other point in my life. But anyway, um, <laughs> Watching Houston against even like a Seton Hall or uh, an Arizona, um, he struggles, man, mm-hmm. like with, with the ball in his hands. And he's going against a really tough defender um, and he just doesn't have the wiggle, doesn't have the shake, doesn't really separate or create that separation very well. Um, he is not going to be your offensive hub. And I think no. you kind of have to know that about him. Um, but then again, now, once again, we talk a lot about like framing and context or whatever, that's fine. I'm ready to be like, okay, he's never going to be my primary ball handler initiator. That's cool. But as a secondary guy, mm-hmm. you throw it to him on the weak side and he's got a little space and he's got a little room to create. <clears throat> that's where he can operate a little bit. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. okay with that because something that shouts to our boy, Tyler Metcalf, and yes. the piece that he wrote about Caleb Houston's passing, Correct. Houston can pass the ball. He yes. is a really good recycler of the ball, really small, smart ball mover, passer. He can make high, high difficulty reads, right? Yeah. Um, yep. He could even do some live dribble passing that I was like, oh, yeah. nice. That's Very nice. That's yeah, stuff. I was really impressed with that. But when it's like one-on-one, like, okay, we're talking about fourth quarter, 
lights are on, intensity's mm. high, Patrick Beverly's on him, he's going to struggle big time, big time. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I mean, and that's the thing, right? Because we haven't even got to like the dribble drive stuff that we're just talking from the context of like him getting his shot off. Right. Right. But like you said, if he's not going to be your your primary and there's not many guys in every draft that have that capability. It's OK that he's not going to be able to consistently create his own shot. Right. Right. I think it's something he'll probably improve on as he gets older and he goes through his development. but. You know, right now, you look, he doesn't have the athleticism the first step. And like you said, that shake to really be a threat. Like, you can kind of play up on him knowing that he's a shooter and not worry about getting blown by. Right. 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 And that makes it harder for him to actually use those combo moves to get his shot off. Now, one of the things he has going for him, 6'8", guy who looks like he could play shooting guard. So he is going to have a height advantage and be able to get that shot off with his height. Um, I think at the next level, if he's playing the two spot and, you know, even on as the NBA sizing doesn't seem to matter at all, like even, you know, against some threes and whatnot, but I don't think the self-creation is there. So I think he's going to be a movement shooter uh, and, and more of, you know, maybe some stuff out of, out of pick and roll maybe some stuff out of pick and roll where he can use, yeah. you know, a, a big body to leverage the the space that he can't create on his own. And that's fine mm-hmm. because you put him in some of these pick and roll situations. Like you said, like Tyler Metcalf pointed out in his article on no ceilings, he can really leverage that, that ability to pass the ball and make plays for, for his teammates and in a really fun way. And I love, like, I look at guys who are good movement shooters and, and for me, like, how do you leverage that shooting with the ability to like get downhill and, and, and pass. And when I look at his passing, like I look at guys like a JJ Redick when he was running two man game with Joel Embiid, where he would oh, yeah. off, like, like dribble handoff actions and DeAndre right Jordan, away, yeah. right away. know like, okay, I know when I come off of these actions and they know I'm a shooter, they're coming out hard and out high on me. So all I got to do is hit that roll man who's slipping these, these screens and he's, you know, going to have a, a, a nice lane to the hoop. So I look at him, I feel like he could be that, you know, and, and I think that obviously this Michigan team is not perfect this year. Uh, losing Franz hurts a lot offensively yeah. and defensively. Big time. Big but time. I think that some of the actions that Houston has been in when he does move around the court and he isn't just planted in a corner standing. Yes. Still, you know, he's, he's shown that he's able to, you know, not just be a guy who is going to be a standstill shooter. He's able to do a little bit more mm-hmm. now. He's shooting 34.7% overall. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Talk to me a little bit about his, his rim attack, his dribble drive. What do you see? Do you, is, is finishing going to be an issue in your opinion? Uh, so, Corey, that's my biggest problem. I don't think we've seen enough of it. Mm-hmm. That is my biggest issue. Um, and it's not just him. <clears throat> a lot of these freshman shooters are getting stuck in a corner. Yeah. Max Christie at Michigan State. Yep. They throw him in the corner and say, hey, kid, just – hang out over there. I'm like, I hate it. I really hate it. Like I I so very much want to talk about Caleb Houston, getting downhill, attacking the rim, going to the bucket, creating things, right. Trying to take, trying to get a layup. We're just not seeing it. And and it really is. We're talking about global pandemics and Omicron and blah, blah, blah. We have a problem in college basketball where if you're really good at shooting and you're a freshman, don't even think about getting out of the corner. You're in, you're in the corner forever, and I hate it. 
with Michigan, I think that's something they really have to work out. I talked about before the context and some of the issues that they have right now with Caleb Houston, they either have him stuck in the corner or they have him flash out of the corner with a little like dribble handoff action. And then yeah. everybody else on the court decides to stand around. Dickinson is, I, I'm not sure what he's doing when Houston has the ball. I would love to see Houston and Dickinson run a, run a little two-man game, mm. right? How about Dickinson come out, set a screen for Houston, and then Houston can either find him because we know Dickinson can do a little pick and pop, right? He's got yeah. a nice little lefty stroke, but it's just not happening. So for me, it's like, how am I supposed to evaluate this kid going to the basket if they're not setting him up to ever get to the basket? I could, I literally counted maybe like eight or 10 possessions where they would like give him the ball off of a handoff and like the big would just kind of like stand around and he would have nowhere to go. And he's like, and, and the shot clock is running and he has, he kind of puts up like a weird, awkward, like 20 foot jump shot or a three pointer. I'm just like, this is why his numbers are trash. You guys are not setting him up for success. And so I, I don't, I don't want to be too angry at Juwan Howard. Obviously he's doing a great job with that program, but Jawan Howard and Caleb Houston need more time together to figure mm. this out because yeah. Houston is not being utilized correctly to the point where like I literally Corey, I can't think of one instant of Houston going to the basket. I, I just, I can't remember one at all. One drive at all is kind of where I'm at right now. So um, yeah, I don't even think I can give a proper evaluation with him around the bucket. Now, if you go back to high school stuff, you can see it, right? Like, I, I don't think he's like an unbelievable finisher either. Um, I think you kind of mentioned in passing too, him as an athlete, a little underwhelming, yeah. right? Which kind of goes to my comp later for who I have in mind. But um, yeah, for me, like, I, I just need to see more. I would love to see him attack the basket more, get to the foul line. He's a good free throw shooter. There's so much more that Houston sorry, not Houston, uh, so much more that I think Michigan can tap into yeah. with Houston is kind of how I feel right now. Yeah, I I agree. And, you know, I think from a coaching perspective, maybe it becomes like a chicken or the egg thing. Like, does Juwan Howard want to give him more responsibility, more actions when he's not proven that he could make shots or beat guys off the bounce? But can Houston get into the proper rhythm if he's not getting – some of those possessions. So it becomes right. one of those things where, uh, you know, it's hard and uh, who knows, I I'm sure it'll, you know, get worked out as the season goes on. It's, you know, we're not even in conference play yet. So it's something to monitor though. Yeah. It's definitely, it's definitely something to monitor, but like you said, the, the physical ability is going to prevent him from attacking the room consistently where I do yeah. think, he can get to the rim consistently is I love when he does come off movement, especially when he goes like baseline to baseline, corner to corner, he catches the ball, gets his footwork, right. Gets into his shooting stance and he could just raise and rip on a hard closeout and get to the hoop. And he's done that a few times and it's looked smooth. And uh, he's even had some nice finesse finishes that way. Um, but when he's just kind of like creating into space it gets a little wonky it gets yeah. a little wonky and i don't think that he's physically ready to and and willing to kind of go into the bodies of some of these you know bigger more physical big men um mm -hmm. and when you're not willing to go in take the physicality draw the foul you're probably throwing up shot that's gonna kind of be just a weird 
awkward attempt at trying to get something at the rim. And right. uh, so I, I think that he's he's got to figure out how to leverage that shot to get to the rim a little bit more and get some easy ones. Because especially when you're a shooter, I, I mean, you got to see some stuff go in sometimes. How do you do that? You either get shots close to the rim or you get to the free throw line. So I think he's got to focus on that a little bit. Uh, but at the same time, he's got to play his game and he's got to keep shooting. And I think the more he shoots, the more he gets comfortable with the speed of the game and uh, just seeing if you go in, I think those those percentages are going to pop back up. Uh, yeah. I think that he's one of these guys uh, offensively, like there's not a whole lot to his game. Mm. You know, you kind of, you can watch him once and kind of figure out the type of player that he is. Now he might have an off night. He might get super hot, but you kind of see it, right? He's, he's that off ball shooting threat who, you know, can make some nice passes, some secondary reads, maybe the ball swings to the weak side. He attacks, you know, when, when the defense is shifted, all kind of stuff like that. But it's not super complicated. Is is there anything else that you think that stands out about his offensive game in a either good or bad way? Yeah, I mean, one thing that I did want to say for as much as he is thrown into a corner, I, I like how he moves off ball. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, the only thing is like I feel like he's really relegated to that corner a little too much right now. But overall, I felt like off ball, like he was relocating well, you know, off of the strong mm-hmm. side action on the weak side. It felt like he was reading all that. He, was, he wasn't getting complacent. I think, like, as an 18-year-old who constantly, constantly gets thrown into the corner, it, you can be a little dejected. It can be a little dis- discouraging. But yeah. I never got that sense from him uh, while he's on the floor. It always looks like he's engaged. It always looks like he's trying to make the right read, the right cut, uh, the right, fl- you know, whether he is flo- floating out to the corner or yeah. to, to the wing, wherever. Um, that's something that I think he deserves credit for, right? Yeah. Because – at that age, with what's going on, it's easy to kind of lose your head and not be as focused. But so far, he seems like a really good team guy, a guy who's who's trying to kind of set him up, set himself up to be successful, to catch some passes, you know, to take mm-hmm. some shots. So that's that, that's like the only last thing that I did want to mention. I feel like because he's working hard and well off ball, more opportunity will come to him. And I'm sure the coaching staff is noticing that as well. Yeah, and again, he you know he he did a lot of fun, exciting things in the FIBA tournament over the summer, and he's you know he had a a, a great career at, at Montford. I'm gonna see him in a few weeks uh, wow. when Michigan comes to to Rutgers. Mm. Um, going to see Jaden Ivy next week behind the bench. So jealous, um, man. So I I'll, I'll be looking a lot of this stuff, but I think the the good thing is that okay, yes, he's a shooter first and foremost but he's not a one trick pony because he does have some of the fun passing genes uh, in his DNA. Let's talk about his defense. Uh, I want to get your impression about his defense. Okay. This might be a bit of a plot twist. I don't know. I'm not sure what you're expecting me to say. I actually loved him on defense. Now I, I don't know. Yeah. People might may disagree. uh, But what my first note is a lot to love about his defense. The thing that stuck out to me the most, Corey, that I was really happy about, and I like this is something that um, I know Rucker was really teaching me on to be aware of, but I love how his head is on a swivel, and it's like you could see it. Like he's actively looking. Like he's not just watching his man or not just watching the ball. You see his head like constantly moving, very active eyes <laughs> was what I wrote here that I was impressed by. Um, I love how he moves his feet. Um, I, I think – at his very worst, he'll be a decent defender. 
Um, obviously, like, you know, we didn't have a, a wingspan number on his right. length, but the one thing that I really enjoyed was um, as a weak side defender, it's not that he's coming to get like weak side blocks, but he is able to make the reads off of like the, the pick and roll on the other side, and he's getting into passing lanes. He's reading when they're trying to make passes, whether it's inside or out, out, out to the weak side corner or whatever. He's very aware. Like he seems like a very cerebral defender um, that I really enjoy. There's a there's an awareness and a, a activity to him that I enjoy. I don't think he has the quickest feet, of course. Like he, he it, you know, I, I think athletically he just has his limitations. Is his lower body shorter than his upper body? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're really connecting now Corey, man. we're we're starting to see the same things man um he definitely is a long torso short-legged guy a hundred percent maybe that's why i like him so much because i'm one of those guys i have a long torso short legs um but a hundred percent Corey, which is why like sometimes when he's defending he looks super he almost looks like a pez dispenser because like his legs are short but like his back is like really straight and has really good posture um but yeah, I was, I actually really liked him as a defender. Not that he's some perfect defender, but I wasn't expecting that at all. Um, just the engagement and the awareness and the activity, I was pretty impressed actually. Okay. The date is December 1st, 2021. Mm-hmm. We're almost 50 episodes in. I don't know where uh-huh. we're at exactly, but we're almost 50 episodes in. Mm-hmm. A lot of the listeners have been asking for it. Okay. Pleading, begging. They say, guys, your analysis is excellent. (laughs) You truly know your stuff. Mm -hmm. You put in the work, Mm -hmm. but you agree too much. Oh, boy. Here we go. Today's the day, listeners. Here's the first thing that I have about his defense. Okay. Woof. Really? I hated watching him on defense. I was like, oh, man, this kid has miles to go. Now, on the ball, he's okay. Mm -hmm. He's okay on the ball. Like you said, he's not a lockdown guy, but he puts in effort. And I think that um, he's able to at least contain his man one-on-one. Pick and roll defense. Mm-hmm. Okay. He dies on every single mm, screen. That's fair. But he doesn't die a nice death at uh, at old age of natural causes. He's getting murdered on these screens <laughs> in a bloody and brutally awful mm-hmm. way that one day Netflix will make a documentary about. <laughs> Just terrible. Like, he... Uh-huh. And part of it is like, you know, we talked a lot last year about uh, Davion Mitchell, why we were so mm-hmm. high on him because we thought he was such a special defender. Yeah. Um, he gets in your shit. He is wearing mm-hmm. your shirt. Caleb Houston doesn't have the same kind of physical tools, came the same foot speed. Right. To do that, he plays off his man a little bit. And mm-hmm. when you do that, it makes it a little bit harder to get skinny over screens. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you add on to that, that I think that he hasn't yet found the speed of the game. Defense is super, super hard, mm-hmm. right? Especially when you don't have the opportunity to like 
scout every team over the course of like multiple games and get familiar with their offense and blah, blah, blah. Right. Right. So I think he's trying to process so much, so many different actions, blah, 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 that like everything's happening a second slow. And on these screens, mm. he's getting murdered on them. He can't get skinny. He can't get up and he, cause he can't anticipate that a lot of times they're coming and he, so he can't get up and around. Um, mm. And it's, he's not going under to meet the, the ball handler or the shooter. So he's just getting mauled on these mm-hmm. screens and it's leading to some really bad stuff that it's just like, all right, now the ball handler's downhill. Now it's a little drop off. Now it's a little dump off. Right. Um, so in the highlight, it might not even look like it's his fault necessarily, but like everything starts at his point of attack uh, from the pick and roll defense. I didn't love his off ball awareness either, which is something that you thought you liked. I really yeah. didn't see his head on a swivel all that much. Is it mm. on a swivel sometimes? Yeah, it's moving sometimes. But there are a, a few possessions where he just got like beat back door so mercilessly. I don't mm. think that was a word. Mercilessly. <laughs> that I don't even know if he knew the, the team scored by the mm. time he turned his head around. Um, My least favorite thing. Maybe the worst at closing out of anybody we've ever we've ever uh, evaluated. His closeouts mm. are atrocious. They're atrocious mm. right now. He leaves his feet. He he's up high. He doesn't it's not choppy feet, down low, close out, hand up. He's like running out, jumping, biting on everything. Mm-hmm. Always late. It's just like, oh my God. Like who taught like have you ever watched Eve? Like did he go to a camp ever in his life? <laughs> where they taught him the fundamentals of closing out. I mm-hmm. it's almost like to a point where I'm like, I can't, who am I? There's no way that it's this bad. He's got nowhere to go, but up. And I think that as he goes through the year, I think the defense will get better because I think that he will learn, but that comes from, you know, putting in work, film, all of that. No longer is he on Montverde Academy. Right. Where, yeah, he's played some high-level teams. Jalen Duren ain't backing him up no more, right? Like, mm-hmm. he's making up for something. Scotty Barnes, mistakes. yeah. You know, he's uh, he's on an island a little bit in, in a situation maybe he's not used to. But mm-hmm. I I got to see some improvement there. And I, that's, that's another reason why I wanted to do him early. Because uh, we talked about, like, maybe some overreaction as to why he has dropped but uh also like i want to see what his growth is like because this is a, a guy that like i don't look at him i don't look at his percentages i don't look at his defense and i don't to me like he's not zaire williams who mm-hmm. you know can still prove to be a decent prospect although the early returns are you know what i personally expected i think what you expected mm-hmm. right i don't think he's like that guy who has a somewhat pretty looking shot and is going to shoot terribly and yeah. offensively, you know, I don't think that I, I think he's got room to improve, although he doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, even have some of the, the defensive potential that a guy like Williams has. Because I think, mm-hmm. you know, Williams had a little bit better physical tools. Yeah, uh, even, the length even, is crazy. Yeah. The, you know, the yeah, yeah the agility, was, I think, was a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, defense. Ooh, not for me. It's not. For got me. it. But uh, so it's not, I, it's not yeah. only him, though. It's not only mm-hmm. him. I, I think Michigan as a whole was pretty mm-hmm. has been pretty rough. Okay. Uh, from a defensive standpoint and, and defense is a basketball is a team game in general, but like, you know, one guy messes something up. 
all of a sudden guys are scrambling and, and it's a whole thing. But I, I was not encouraged by a lot of, of what I had watched got uh, it. from him defensively. So you, you wanted it, listeners. You got it. <laughs> you got no, it. Okay. So a, a little bit of a rebuttal. Um, okay. Now, of course, you know, from what I saw, I, I'm not going to disagree with what you're saying. Of course, like, uh, as I mentioned, I think there's a lot for him to work on. The, the stuff that I did enjoy, though, was I want to go back to the weak side stuff just because there were a lot of possessions where when he was defending the offense, they were running like all kinds of screens um, on the weak side. And there were times from what I saw where he was competing and trying to get over those screens to get out to his man. And I think those were the moments that maybe my brain just highlighted and yep. I, I kind of came away with a really good impression. Um, so yeah, yeah, I definitely agree with you on the closeouts. Like I'm, I'm not going to argue that one. Um, maybe I just wanted to overlook it because of the highlights <laughs> and the good stuff that well, I did see. The effort is not in question. I'm not questioning the yeah. effort. Yeah, he's yeah. playing hard. Even when he's getting hit by, the, by these screens, he's mm -hmm. trying to get through them. Right. He's just trying in the absolute worst way. <laughs> you know, like, but all, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, no, if, I hear you. Like if I, I don't, if I want to get to like the spot mm -hmm. behind the building, mm -hmm. I'm not trying to go through the building, like through the glass, <laughs> through the bricks. Like I'm going to drive around it. <laughs> okay. So I agree. I agree. The only thing is like, I don't know, maybe it's for me. Like there, there were so many moments that I saw him weak side where I was like, I really like that. Like there was one where the, the offense, they ran like a pick and roll. They, they passed it off to the big and the big actually, I don't remember who the big was, made a nice read, saw a guy in the Duggar spot. And I saw Caleb Houston come down from the wing and knock the ball out of bounds. And I was like, nice. That is really good. That's a really yeah. smart play. Way to read it. Way way to get active with your hands and be there. So maybe Corey, maybe what it is is like maybe I maybe this is like one of my bias guys where I have some blind spots mm -hmm. with him. Like I, I just really just want to focus on the good stuff. But yeah, like of course, the activity is always there. The the effort is always there. And also one thing, Corey, that you mentioned at the end that I one trillion percent agree with you on. His team is kind of bad. Like I was, I've been like I've been watching a couple of their games, and I'm just like, some of these guys that he's playing with, I, I won't say them by name because I I just don't like being that guy. But yeah. some of them are just not good, dude. It's and I'm messy. like, it's messy. It's messy, and it's not fun. And I I just don't envy Caleb Houston so far. But anyway, um, I like that. I like that we disagreed though. This yeah. Was, this yep. is good. This is fun. Another thing. Mm -hmm. Steal percentage. 0 0.9 okay. block percentage 1.0 <laughs> not good uh, you know mm -hmm. like i don't think that steal and block percentage are the end all be all as a matter of fact mm -hmm. i think the eye test tells you a lot defensively right right but i'm not ignoring like steal and block percentages you want that to be much higher for yeah. a potential nba guy when these, you know, it, it is one of, we look at those as indicators because defensively it's hard to match stats as to what um, translates. You're playing different conferences. You're not, you know, it's not this, it's not like you're playing all the same NBA competition. You can measure it, right? Like the stats, you have to right. measure different things, but steal and block percentage are usually good indicators um, when you're looking at statistics defensively, because, you know, you want your potential NBA guys to be so much more physically gifted or uh, have a, a much higher basketball IQ and nuanced understanding yeah. that it just seems a little bit easy, too easy. 
and and they can cause havoc. Like you said, he can get in the passing lanes. He's you know a half a steal a game right now. Uh, 0.3 blocks. Now he's we talked about it, doesn't have a lot of length, right? So he, yeah. And and for me, like you don't need to get a ton of steals because if you could just play the the game positionally, and mm-hmm. and contain your man, you know, get guys into the help, guide them there. Um, that's valuable, but it's something he needs to work on. Yeah. It's uh, I agree. yeah, he's got something, weird. but we we disagreed, and I love it. Yeah. Okay. If you were buying stock in Caleb Houston, mm-hmm. who may you have bought stock in previously? Oh, we're going into comps. Okay, yeah, we're going to go into comps. Cool, here. cool. Okay. Uh, I had a couple of names. Okay. Mm, you mentioned Clay. I think that's fair. Yeah. Um, obviously, Clay as a defender. Woo. I mean, unbelievable, right? Yeah. So if Caleb Houston's going to get to that level, he's got some work to do. Let's go. I, but Clay was not known I, as a defensive guy coming. Of in. course, of course. What, what what do you what do you attribute to that to that to is that the Draymond effect or what do you think? Uh, I mean, I wouldn't attribute it completely to Draymond, right? I I think, <laughs> but I think that it certainly yeah. helps. Yeah, it, yeah. Cer- it it certainly helps. I think that he's. I mean, when he came in, there were Bogut. Bogut was still a good defender That's as true. well. Andre Iguodala, um, mm-hmm. but you know Clay was taking on the challenge of guarding a lot of times. You know, yeah, the high level player. So it's but defense is a team. It's a team game. Defense is a team game. Yeah. Uh, and these high level guys are going to score points as much as you can. You just do what you can to contain him. But Clay, you know, he moved his feet well, uh, mm-hmm. and he was he does intelligent things on the court. He's coached well, and yeah. uh, he plays with intelligent guys. So I, I think that hard work, film study, mm-hmm. and uh, work ethic, yeah. and just yeah. uh, just wanting to get better and wanting to play hard. You know, who knows? Yeah. Maybe he goes somewhere else and he doesn't play every possession at a, right. as a championship level defender, right? But that's the environment that he grew up in, and yeah. uh, as, as an NBA player, and you you learn from that and you feed off that, and it's hard to take mm-hmm. plays off when you got Draymond barking at you, right? So it's yeah. it's probably a little bit of that. Okay, that's fair. Um, so I, I'm going to stay away from the clay one. Um, our, so our listeners might say that I'm like lazy for these comps, but I, I just kind of saw it, dude. Like if you All consider, right. so the first guy I'm going to mention was a little bit better of an athlete or maybe not, dude, maybe they really were comparable as athletes. Like I think the fluidity, they're pretty comparable. The guy that I'm thinking of was a slam dunk champion. He's a okay. champion, or he's at least in the slam dunk contest. Uh, number twenty for the New York Knicks, uh, <laughs> Allen Houston uh, was the first guy that I thought of. Right, Ooh, obviously, mm-hmm. not different like types it. of shooter. Yeah, different types of shooters. Of course, Allen Houston was a big elevation guy. You watch if you go back and watch Allen Houston. This guy was jumping to the moon on every single jump shot. Um, so. Houston is not that type of shooter in terms of like the technique, but mm-hmm. you can see some similarities. You know, Allen Houston was like, wasn't like a huge ball handler. Of course he could get his shot. was a technician in the mid range, something we didn't even talk about that. What'd you think about Houston in the mid range really quickly? I believe in the shot. Yeah. At every level. Right. Even if the percentages right. don't bear it out. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think you've seen some positive and, and some negative, like he, I, was it the was it the Arizona game? I think he had one miss that was just like clanked off the side of the bat. Like the yeah, like yeah. he was on like the wing coming off on the right side, and he like mm-hmm. missed long, and it like hit the the backboard. And you're like, All right. but you know, again, it's like the same thing. It's like the defense, 
the speed right. of the game and him figuring out how to get that kind of stuff off. I I think it'll mm-hmm. work itself out, and I buy the shot. Yeah. I think he's a I think he's he's a good shooter. I I would yeah. I'm I'm still confident in the shot. Yeah, I mean, you know, going back to Allen Houston, like that that's kind of you know the mid range was a big part of his game. He was an yeah. absolute killer well, from there. He now he would you know of he'd course jacking threes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is what Caleb Houston may become, right? Modern day Allen Houston. And then another guy that I had because of the, I think they're like similar sizes, right? Um, I think, you know, with this guy, you know, he was a multiple time Mm all-star, eventually lost his knees, kind of like Allen Houston, um, went to the same alma mater. I wonder if you know who I'm talking about. I'm thinking of Glenn Rice here. Um, oh. And the reason why I'm thinking of Glenn Rice, another guy, movement shooter, but also because of like different times, right? Glenn Rice also was a guy who was a really great mid-range shooter and liked to live in that space when he was with Miami, when he was with Charlotte, but an absolute killer jump shooter. Yeah. Just a beautiful, beautiful jump shooter. I remember growing up, um, I was reading this book. I can't remember what the hell the book was, but there was this portion on Glenn Rice and it was talking about how Glenn Rice, the reason why he was such a good shooter was because he used to shoot in the dark and he would tell himself, like, if he could shoot in the dark, then he could could shoot when the lights came on. I don't know why that always stuck with me. And I was always like, yeah, Glenn Rice is freaking awesome. And then got traded to the Knicks. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And then he got traded to the Knicks after he won the title with the Lakers. It was a nightmare. Um, But... (laughs) I, I thought of Glenn Rice because not just because of the Michigan connection, but, you know, a limited athlete, you know, Glenn Rice also around six, seven, six, eight, but pure shooter, a really, really great shooter who eventually lost his knees and, you know, wasn't the same, but he had about 50 point games in Miami. The guy was a really, really high level offensive player and eventually won a title with the Lakers. So yeah, I thought of Glenn Rice. I, I, I just, yeah, there's something about Houston's game where I think limited athlete, really good shooter. I think he's going to continue to develop. Obviously, I'm a little, I'm, I'm definitely a lot higher on him defensively than you are, but that's okay. Sure, it's okay. Sure, right. Uh, but yeah, I just, I, I like these comps because they're shooters. Number one, mm-hmm. and yep. also they weren't like huge creators with the ball in their hands, but were very good NBA players who made all-star teams and made a lot of money in the league. And one of them won a title and one of them went to the finals and didn't win because the Spurs were really good. So that's kind of where my head was at. I know both of them are nineties guys, but that's just kind of where that's, my head went to with them. That's your thing. That's, and that's what I love. I yeah. love I love that about your comps. <laughs> that's why it was one of my favorite segments of the show. Um, Obviously, you know, again, clay, I think that uh, just, I love uh, the balance on the shot, the way that it, it's so consistent. Right. It looks the same the way he gets into it, all that. I think that's the kind of role that I envision him thriving in, in the NBA. Again, I'm not saying he's going to be a top five shooter of all time. Chances are he won't. (laughs) Most NBA players are not, but Mm -hmm. uh, I think he'll be a a good enough shooter that you can envision him in that role. And maybe that makes him a poor man's clay. I also kind of went with uh, uh, another guy. And I don't know what part of Canada Caleb Houston is, is, representing i don't know if they uh do speak french there in that in the part of canada that he's from but i went with a frenchman um evan fournier okay yes that's awesome dude that's what i was okay perfect yeah Yeah. that's really good yeah i i mean um evan fournier i think when he was younger he could put you on a poster 
but he needed a runway, right? He wasn't going to like break you down off the bounce and all of a sudden, you know, he's Vince Carter, <laughs> like Tomahawk <laughs> on Alonzo Mourning. But if if he was able to come off movement, you know, get downhill uh, with a little bit of space, he can he can get up and, and attack the rim in a strong way. Smooth shooter, you know, can create for himself a little bit, but it's not how he's ultimately thriving as a player. You know, Correct. you're going to want him running off of movement, getting open, just off the ball, creating havoc that way. You could spot him up, space the floor. And uh, another guy who shot, looks the same most of the times that he's shooting it. And uh, I think has some athletic limitations um, physically when competing with like the elite athletes of the NBA. So Fournier, which sounds like uh, a dig almost. No, right. But Fournier made 70 mil dude. Yeah. <laughs> more. I mean, just, just on his last contract. Right. 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 <laughs> I mean, you know, he's dude's made over a hundred mil in the NBA by the time he's going to retire. Mm-hmm. Um, played on some playoff teams, right? And I think that if you said, like, you know, you're getting a Fournier-level player in the lottery, that's that's a win. That's a win. I agree with you. You know, I agree so that, that, that that's where my my mind went, Evan Fournier. Mm-hmm. Really quickly, I have one more. Okay. He doesn't have the handle or the driving ability of this guy, but when you watch, like, their physiques, they're kind of similar. Alec Burks. You know, like kind of the, you know, the kind of the long torso, short leg type of guys. Of course, Burks is awesome going to the rim um, and he's got handle, but just like physique wise, kind of reminds me of Alec Burks too. Yeah, like good size. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Yeah. I get it. You just want to, you want to throw in some Knicks talk into into the pod. (laughs) (laughs) You know me too well. Um, How volatile is Caleb Houston? In my mind, I don't see him being very volatile because I think we know what he's going to be. Like you said, right? It, it's very predictable what his what he's going to be on both sides of the floor. Like I, I think I know you were lower on him defensively, but I also do believe like you think there's room to grow. You said that you you outright said that. Yeah, I'm not you know, out coaching. on him defensively. Yeah, in the long mm-hmm. term, I just think that he's early on. He's I, yeah. I just didn't enjoy Correct. watching it. Correct. And so yeah. like I, I think it's very clear what he's going to be. Like I, I, I really love your Fournier comp, comp because I, I thought of that too before when you were talking because as a secondary ball handler, he's going to be fine Like yeah. because he can pass the ball. Of course, the handle I think has to get a little bit better, but you know what, the, uh, what type of shooter he's going to be. You know his physical limitations. He doesn't really have pop. The guy doesn't jump very high. You know, he, he's not very quick, but he has savvy to his game defensively. If he continues to improve, that's there. Uh, one thing that I wanted to say, like physically, he looks like he has the frame where he's going to add muscle too. I, I, mm-hmm. I don't by no yeah. means. So I think he's going to be some skinny kid. So yeah, I, I don't think there's much volatility to him. Cause I think no matter how high or low you may be on him, I think everyone is going to kind of come to a consensus. Oh, this guy's going to play 12 years in the league and yeah. be good. Um, will he make an all-star team? Maybe. Maybe not, but regardless, like you could definitely see him being on a contender and being a contributor to contending teams. So I would say, I don't think he's very volatile at all. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree with that. I, I don't think that he's a guy that I look at and be like, no, this is a bust. Now, maybe with the rise and the play of some of these other guys, if you were to like mm-hmm. take him at his pre-draft slot, um, maybe yeah. you could be like, all right, he's a bust because we missed out on these other guys. But if you're getting him, anywhere 
10 and on, I think at this point, I think you're looking at a guy, like you said, he's going to have a long NBA career and he does a lot of things that NBA teams want. And he's the type of guy that is going to be scheme versatile. Like you don't have mm-hmm. to play a certain way. He, or he doesn't have to play like one way to thrive. Like he's going to be able to fit in as a sidekick or as a tertiary guy off of, you know, an NBA star. And I think if at that part um, of the draft, I think that's, that's valuable. Good, good players are, are going to be valuable. And I look right. at like the lack of shooting right now where it's at. And like I said, I think it's going to go up, but I feel about his shooting very much. So uh, how I felt like about Maxi shooting where like, okay, the numbers aren't awesome, but like mm-hmm. I'm watching it and it looks like it's going to be awesome at some point. Right. And now right. it's been pretty awesome, you know, in the NBA. So, like, I don't think that he's a guy that should drop all the way down to the 20s like Maxi did when it's, you know, he does right. offer something that I think is going to hit as an NBA mm-hmm. skill. And I think he could be a guy that you could bank on shooting close to 40% from behind the arc on, like, super high volume for a long time. Uh, how the rest of his game develops, how how he looks shooting the rest of the way, I don't know. But I think he is safer than his percentages actually tell us. Um, yeah. All right. It's that time, Albert. Mr. Garbage Time Gim. It's time. Mm-hmm. Sell me this pen on Caleb Houston. Okay. Um, it, it's as simple as this. If you are trying to build a contender, you need all different parts, right? Something that I was thinking about yesterday is you need people who are going to be starters and closers. Uh, back in the early 2000s, John Smoltz, a pitcher for the Braves, for most of his career was a starter. And then as he got older, they shifted him into a closer and he was excellent as a closer and then eventually went back to being a starter. John Smoltz was the type of guy who can start games and carry you through seven innings of a game, but also showed later on in his career a guy you can rely on in the ninth inning. Um, I'm going on this rant right now because I believe in basketball, you have all kinds of players as well. You have guys who will carry you through three quarters and be excellent, but won't really be there for the fourth quarter as LeBron James was for the early parts of his career. No slight. I mean, that was the joke back then, right? <laughs> if you ask LeBron, then. if you ask LeBron for change for a dollar, he d- doesn't have that fourth quarter for you, right? That was, was kind of how the, it was. Yep. That mm-hmm. was the, the early <laughs> internet memes. Yes. <laughs> early internet joke, right? With LeBron. Um, you need all types of players on your team. I don't know if Caleb Houston is going to be a fourth quarter closer, but every good team needs guys who are going to be great in the first quarter, in the second quarter, in the third quarter. Caleb Houston has a premium skill, and that premium skill is shooting. As Corey just mentioned, the numbers don't really tell that story right now, but the eye test does. The aggression does in terms of him being a confident shooter, right? There are a lot of different moving parts as to why he's struggling right now, but he is very clearly going to be a very good shooter for I think his whole career. And so if you're a contending team that needs different parts to your team, you're not going to ask Caleb Houston to be your number one. You may not even ask him to be your number two, but he could be a really good number two, a really good number three. And essentially, if you want to be a team that has championship aspirations, 
you're going to want a guy like Caleb Houston. I think he's going to develop defensively. I think he's going to develop his handle. His playmaking is going to be there. He's already a very good passer, ball mover, shooter. So if you're into a guy like that and you're building a team toward the championship, you're not going to be doing yourself a disservice by taking a guy like Caleb Houston. I'm buying. I'm buying. I'm buying. Like I said, <laughs> especially at this price, we're getting this low yeah. price. Come on. Almost 15 out of the lottery. You can get Caleb Houston mm-hmm. out of the lottery. Give me it. I want it. Mm-hmm. All right, Albert. Um, I think that's going to do it for our Caleb Houston talk. That was fun. Uh, I'm glad we had our first big disagreement um, on the show. <laughs> Almost 50 episodes in. You, uh, you, you recently, uh, you know, put out, I think on Thanksgiving, you, you put out a, you're, you're taking out the trash, right? You, you wrote on uh, Will Richardson. So uh, tell the people uh, where they could uh, find, find that and find you on the yeah. internet and, and, you know, anything else that you, uh, you mm-hmm. did, you, the no ceilings podcast you guys did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's hear it all. Yeah. Yeah. And I kind of got short end, end of the stick by uh, releasing my article on Thanksgiving <laughs> morning. <laughs> Maybe a total of 12 people read my column, but it's okay, dude. I had a lot of fun writing that column, uh, writing about Will Richardson. Will Richardson, a guy who is struggling mightily for Mm. Oregon right now, a guy who people had high expectations for heading into the season as an upperclassman for that Oregon team, but he's struggling. But a guy that I'm not giving up on, a guy that I think will eventually be a pretty good player. I just think it's, he's had a rough start to the season. But anyway, that was my piece on Will Richardson with a lot of succession um, talk in there as well. If, for our listeners out there, if you love succession, there's a good chunk of succession talk in there. I did my favorite thing in life. I got to slight the New England Patriots and their new savior and Mac Jones, who can go to hell. No, I'm just kidding. That's a let's, little harsh. Let's pump the brakes on this Mac Jones stuff, right? <laughs> yeah. Screw Mac Jones. We pump Screw the, brakes the here. Patriots. Yeah. Screw Matthew Judon and their what is, whole... What is Mac jo- what's Mac Jones look uh, like in Jacksonville this year? Good question, Corey. He looks like ass in Jacksonville. <laughs> what he looks like. And they just decided to go to town on Thanksgiving food and mac and cheese. and Unbelievable. Pie. The, One of the, the worst The fact takes. that Mac... Dude, Mac Jones doesn't like pie? Dude, screw you. No one likes you is what you need to hear from the general public, buddy. Um, because if you don't like pie, how the hell, I, I have no idea. He's a sick man, a sick, sick man. But anyway, um, I got to write about that stuff. Um, it did a pod with uh, with Rucker in Vegas, where we were covering all the Chad and um, Watson and Haquez and all that stuff. We gushed over Haquez a ton on that pod. That's, uh, that's what over... we call on location, Albert, mm-hmm. in, in, yeah. in the biz. Uh, on location, on site, uh, is what we were doing, which was a lot of fun. That was my first time potting with Rucker, just like one-on-one. And he is a handful. That man is a ball of energy and chaos. So um, that was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, you guys find me on the internet at Alberto Gim at GTGNBA are my two handles. Um, I'm, I'm really working on this Strother piece that I want to drop soon um, okay. because he's someone who's a lot of fun. And Corey, I think Strother is a guy that you are probably going to be really high on. I don't know how much you've seen of him. Yeah, I've, I mean, I've but... watched a lot, a, a ton of the Zags yeah. so far. Um, yeah. And he's definitely popped. So, yeah, um, I like him a lot. Yeah. 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 And he's As a good, mm-hmm. he's got a lot of tools. He's got a lot of fun tools at, at a, you know, like, I'm, I'm excited to read your piece. 
Mm -hmm. on him for us for the for the amount of arguing we did today we're still on the same page because you said he had a lot of tools i was about to say he's a utility guy so yes we're 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 still vibing but um yeah that's where you can find me that's the stuff that i'm working on um yeah i will continue to pump out tweets about my love affair with hyunjung lee from davidson and another guy that i'm going to be writing about really soon because he just popped off for 32 points against charlotte yesterday so yeah, anyway, that's enough for me. Fantastic. Love it. Um, you can find me uh, at Corey Tullaba on Twitter. Uh, you can read my piece that just went up at No Ceilings uh, called Draft Punk, uh, where I kind of talked about why I started covering the draft and, yeah. and what I love about the draft and how it reminds me of how I grew up in, in the punk rock scene when I was touring. and um, just falling in love with the underground and getting to know these players before they pop off in the NBA and all the connections that I found through these two scenes that, that I love and the community uh, and the community comes from like all of our listeners that are listening so intently, you know, Spotify is doing that wrapped thing, you know, the, mm-hmm. this, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, it told like there's a, there's one for the podcast um, and it's like 36 countries we got wow. people listening from like, uh, I mean, crazy amounts of downloads and mm. um, for a podcast that hasn't even been around for a year right now. I think we've only been around for like nine, 10 months. Um, yeah. It said the first one was in February. I mean, mm. you know, it's it's humbling some of these these stats. Yeah. And, and that's part of the community that we're trying to build with the draft deck. And it's part of the community we're, we're building at No Ceilings. Um, right with all of our collaborations and and I just found so much in common um with that and how we should all lift each other up and and not have this big head and think that you can only get things right in an imperfect uh rigged game that you can't mm-hmm. always win because you could like a prospect that just goes to a bad situation and you your evaluation could have been solid it just didn't work out sometimes so let's celebrate that and learn from it and and grow together and that's that's what we're doing so I wrote about that and uh yeah Man, we're we're gonna release our our first cumulative no ceilings like big board, which is like eight of us trying to figure out who we should rank in the top thirty together. It's gonna be fun. It's a lot of fun things. So follow no ceilings at no ceilings NBA, um, and subscribe to the free Substack at no ceilings.substack.com. Please, if you have not yet, leave us a uh, review. Some five stars would be cool, but be, you know, you could be honest with yourself. Leave us however many sure. stars you feel is appropriate. Right. But five would be, mm-hmm. you know, the ideal one that we would, we would prefer and uh, you know, share it and rate review, all that good stuff. Thank you for listening. Thank you for rocking with us. We are back. This was the, you know, we're, we've been in season two for a while, but this was mm-hmm. the first official solo episode with college ball having been played. So very exciting. True. Stuff. Wow. Very exciting mm. stuff. And uh, we're in for a fun year. So uh, until next week, y'all, we appreciate you listening, rocking with us. Let's go. We out. Peace. Peace.